All right, so uh, introduce yourself, and then I'm going to ask you about your upbringing in faith. You just told me a funny story. And then I want to talk about trends in the church and kind of young, progressive, woke, where things are going and why. So, so who am I? Um, I wish I could actually answer that question. I've been trying to figure that out. It's not an existential question. 29 bro. years. Go to no. your driver's license. Yeah. Name. And I have to do that sometimes, honestly. <laughs> like, just remember, all right, this is who you are. You're in the real world. 2022 is not a dream, but it feels like it. But uh, no, my name is Elijah. If people don't know me, uh, I run a podcast on Blaze TV called Slightly Offensive. Uh, I've done a few shows over the years. And essentially what I do is a hybrid of uh, reporting and also um, just entertainment. Yeah. It's sort of like... Uh, Taking like the 1990s view of conservatism in the world, um, sort of a traditional view, but then bringing like a 2010 troll aspect, like just memeing, the, memeing it and taking it <laughs> to a level that sort of offends people. And uh, really all that I want to say is like, you know, I think the world is in a position, in a place where we have to just learn how to laugh at it. Like things are just so insane that people if think you, I'm twisted, but I like laughing at that stuff. There's so much pressure. Unless you can get a little comedy out of it, I think you explode. Little, legitimately, like the J6 stuff. I mean, anything, like people don't know, like I was inside the Capitol on January 6th, so I have a real actual like credential from uh, the federal government that allows me to sort of cover events. So I've done real events, you know, like I filmed uh, Kyle Rittenhouse killing, uh, you know, Joseph Rosenbaum, those types of things. So I've been in real situations and have like actually some serious work, and then there's everything else that there's I do. edutainment. Yeah, edutainment, which is like a little bit like, uh, it doesn't make my parents uh, that proud. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. Some of it, like, <laughs> like, Dad, don't watch that. Okay, so tell me about your parents, tell me about your upbringing, all that. Okay, so people don't realize, I don't think I've ever actually said this on a show before, but I was raised genuinely like fundamentalist, so what evangelical. Is, what, how fundamental? Like churn your own butter. There's churn your own butter. There's homeschool. There's, you know, there's no need to do homeschool because the end of the world is going to happen before you graduate. What level of okay, fundamentalism? It's ironic because in our homeschool, we did learn how to churn our own butter. But like, <laughs> no, no, are you kidding? No, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> kidding. But I, but I was homeschooled. Bro, that's, like, that's next level right there. Yeah. So like what I was saying, I was like fundamentalist to the point. Did you make your own clothes? Uh, well. <laughs> did you grow your own food? I will tell you, I never got new clothes. So there's, there's, <laughs> I was like, we did. And we lived like essentially like we lived on this in this house on a on a hill on like an acre of land in La Habra Heights in like a, a suburb of like very very East LA and I was homeschooled I You're just fundamentalist in LA well yeah <laughs> yeah well and that just lonely, that bro. just means you like have had less than six sex partners or something now you know what I mean like LA is so messed up so but I like I mean like genuinely to the point where I said earlier where we we would honestly be so afraid of not going in the rapture that if we were mad at each other we would like take our clothes off, lay it in the bed so that when like my brother would come into the bathroom, he would think the rapture happened and he thought he got left behind to teach him a lesson like that. And he would, and he'd be like, where are you? And yelling, like looking for me. And I was like, if you know your fundamentalist. Just go up on the roof and just muffle your voice. <laughs> yeah, but like if you're using the rapture to prank your family. Uh, you're or officially to, a homeschool kid. I think you've made it. Yeah, you've made it into the borderline. You're either homeschooled or autistic or both. I haven't figured out which ones I am. So, so we'll fundamentalist. So your dad was a senior pastor? Yeah, he founded a, a church called, it was a Calvary Chapel, okay. but it was a definitely more conservative. And it was like the way that it started was just kind of like internally. And all I knew was homeschool, home, and then going to church. And I went to church about four or five times a week. And uh, I told people, I didn't, I didn't know it wasn't normal to just go to funerals for fun. So like my, my outings, <laughs> my dad would like take me to funerals and weddings. And I just went to a lot of strangers, watched people like, I don't know, their eulogies and stuff. And that was my life. I didn't really do much else.
So how do you get from that to where you are? Is this, is this what rebellion looks like? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, it's called pot. Like, honestly, like, I think, I think what it was, was like a, you know, because it's LA, like you can only keep the evil out for so long. And that's why I tell people, yeah, if you, you go to the to grocery store, it's over. No, that's my exact point. It's like you, you walk down the street and you can you can only push out the darkness for so long. Where it was like, I don't know what my parents were thinking. Like they were trying to protect me from maybe, I don't know, from the world or from ever seeing the world. Like we weren't allowed to have television. Like we could not play video games. I mean, there was nothing. So what it was, was all that, like what that. Was, were you allowed to play? So there's levels of fundamentalism. It's not fun, but it is damn mental. That's fundamental. But within it, so were you allowed to play uh, cards or board games? Because that's like varsity right there if you're not allowed to. No, we know we were. We were, we were. I mean, I'm sure my, my, my was dad... Was backsliding? Where was that? Well, yeah, so I was going to say, like, I, I definitely know, like, a, if anything was above maybe even TVY7 or, like, G, we definitely could not even go see a movie. But occasionally we would go see a, a movie. Like? Um, I think the first PG movie I saw was... Uh, Probably, what was that? I don't even, a Prince of Egypt? So I think- It was a Bible cartoon. Yeah, but we had to talk about where the inaccuracies afterwards. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> like, it was like- Yeah, you know, that's, it was, that's it was theologically we inaccurate. Yeah. I mean, I learned the word innuendo because my dad asked if the, the guy at the ticket counter, if there's any innuendos in the Prince of Egypt before we saw it. So I was like, oh, what's that mean? So I, that's definitely, I mean, it was controversy that we saw a PG movie. So I, I don't know how we went from there to here. I think that's just- uh, Wow, I'm feeling pretty crappy about that. I'm like, <laughs> dang. No, but I, I think I think what it was was like, yeah, like I, I went out into the world and I'm not even joking. The same thing that's 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 driven my politics is that I went and kind of tasted the world for a second. I ended up uh, my parents ended up later enrolling me in school. What does it mean to taste the world? I don't understand. Well, like actually just go into it and like meet real people that are not also homeschooled and like, that have TVs leave and people the compound? That, yeah, like like leave leave the mindset. Like I actually met real people and it blew my mind because then I thought my parents lied to me about everything. Like I go, like the way they said the world was, this just isn't true. And I remember I smoked pot and I didn't die. How old were you? When I smoked pot, like 13, yeah. Okay. So I was like 13 and then I smoked pot and I was like waiting, waiting for the lightning to strike. And I was like, I just feel hungry. Like, you know, so, I, yeah. I, you know, but I mean, genuinely, so I, was start, I started like exploring the world because I felt like I didn't know what it was. I felt like I didn't know what the truth was. I felt like, um, you know, because like, I, I mean, we were, we were so insulated that everyone I knew thought the world was going to end in the year 2000. I mean, we had the water barrels, the food. We waited at the end of, of the cliff and literally we had a, a clock and we waited for it to turn 12 and I thought the world was going to blow up. Like that's where we, that was that my mindset was we were all going to die uh, when the year 2000 hit, and that's like, and then I went out in the world and was like, I feel like I've kind of been brought up in something that I don't really believe and I don't really think is true, and I don't know what is truth anymore. And so I'm going to go out and just seek, feel, and do whatever I want. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be evil. I just was like, a big experiment. Yeah, literally. So, like, that's the, uh, that's generally what happens is parents will raise their kids to be untainted, but then they're very, very naive. They're not innocent. They're naive. It's not that they, they know how to avoid trouble. They've never seen it. So how far for you, and I know you didn't mean to get into this and I didn't know where we were going to go. No, it's I've never talked about this on a show yeah, before. It's so, great. Fine. so, so how far did you go? I mean, you went smoking pot at 13 and then what is, what does it look like for X number of years until there's some pivot? Well, I had a great idea like most teenagers do where I go, I'm going to try every single drug that's offered to me 
And if I don't want to do it, if there's any, anything that I want to do in the world, if I just don't want to do it, I'll decide in the moment. So I'm not going to say no to anything. Like I'm just going to go out and whatever life brings So you just said me. yes. So you were yeah. told no forever and then you're like, I'm going to try yes? I was told, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was a dichotomy. It was just this paradigm shift of going, you can have nothing. And I mean, I mean like it was like, and I don't blame my parents because I think that, you know, like my, my mom, you know, grew up with an alcoholic, uh, abusive um, mother and in sort of a kind of a crazy family. Like, I mean, one of her brothers is the longest living hydrocephalic patient, meaning he was uh, committed to the state. His head was like four feet long and his body was the size of a baby. And she didn't even find out until she was older. She had this brother. Like, I mean, this is a very that, you know, 70s, 60s, don't, don't ask, don't tell, don't talk. We just, we're a family and we move on. Yeah. So she came with all this baggage and, and trauma. My dad comes from like a similar background because, uh, you know, his parents are still living. I'll respect him, but he has a pretty in, in, intense background. When they became Christians, I think they came up in such darkness and in such uh, misery that it was a kind of like a well, let's re the exact opposite of what I did, where it was like, let's just reject it all and let's just, let's shield our family. Let's, let's do something different. I don't think they meant anything, you know, of course, bad by it or, or, yeah. or to hurt any of us. Well, it but caused them a lot of pain. They love you. So they're trying to keep you from that, which caused them pain. That's what most Christian parents do. The intention is right. good. The result is bad. Well, yeah. And, and that's why I think what's so weird is that it's like, so I didn't, I feel like I had no life skills. Like, I just feel like, it's like, I know not to watch TV, but I don't know how to change a tire, you know? So <laughs> it's like, I, it's like, well, like on I know. A on a wagon. Yeah, I'll go to hell for seeing <laughs> Hey hey Arnold, but yeah, exactly. I know, dude, dude, wait, I, I, I gotta say this. I don't think I've ever shared this with anyone. And I'm on, I'm on shows a lot, but this is hilarious. We, because we had one car, we had a um, Ford was it called like an Aerostream? It was the one that looked like the shuttle from uh, Star Tours. Yep. But it was brilliant blue. And because even our physical possessions needed to be a witness for Christ, we had hot pink decaled all over it, like commit your life to Christ and you'll be saved. And it was covered. <laughs> and we would drive around in this bright blue vehicle it's with no Bible verses. Smoke weed, bro. Yeah. No it was and like, people would throw eggs at it. And I thought it was because they were like demonically possessed. And I was like freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And then I was just like, man, I need a relaxation from this. Like extreme. Like it was to me, it was like, it's so extreme. And I just was like, I was unhappy. I felt like I was, I wasn't developed. I felt like I didn't know what it meant to be a man. And I was like, I realized when I got enrolled in school, it was like, I was. How old were you when you went to school? Uh, 13. Or, well, yeah. 13. Is that where you got your pot? Yeah. Okay. Was so it was a public school or Christian school or uh, it was a Christian school, so Okay. So you got dropped off at the Christian school in the bright blue um Oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah. oh, March for Jesus. Yeah, while well, people are pulling up in their sponsored vehicles yeah. and stuff like this, and I'm walking in like Never, like, I, I'm telling you the anxiety, like, I'd never been in a classroom. I had never been around these kinds of things. I mean, I was so afraid of speaking. I mean, even when I had to give an oral report to a homeschool, I threw up on myself. I mean, like, <laughs> genuinely, like, just, just, just bewildered with, with trepidation. And I'm just like, I feel like I should give you a hug, bro. It's yeah. been a lot. <laughs> it's like, it's been a long, people are like, it's been a tough couple of years. I'm like, go back a couple more decades, you know? So, it's so, been, it's so then you go ride. to Christian school. And uh, you get dropped off, you go in, and just to cope, you start self-medicating with pot. What happens next? Um, you know, I really had this, like, long, and I don't mean this to laugh. I always laugh at the worst stuff. But uh, <laughs> then I was at this, I got, like, I don't know why, but I, there was somehow I got involved with these, like, Satanist people that had nothing to do with. At the my, Christian school? They don't have, they just lived in the area. I don't know. I just <laughs> made friends with these. They literally was, were Satanists. And it was, like, this blue house, and it was, like, had pirate flags on it. And I would go there. That's the other team, bro. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that they were like maybe trying to groom me at the time. Oh, I, this gets pretty dark, but, uh, but it's like, I was there and they started giving me, they, they gave me a X, they like put a pill in my mouth, which 
which I didn't know. This is when like ecstasy was coming back on the market because uh, the government did a pretty good job like from 2002, 2003. Was that the Nancy Reagan just say no to drugs era? Yeah, well, they got they got a certain chemical that for some reason, like the only way to get it was from the Netherlands now like distributing. So it was like kind of off the market for a few years and then it came back flooding in at the right time when I started using drugs right in, in uh, LA. So I got like in like the, you know, one, $2 a pill uh, highlight for people that are still using drugs. That sounds great to you. To me, it like was a nightmare because then I started, you know, genuinely like it just abusing ecstasy to a point to like where I got put in a coma, I got hospitalized. Like I, I think like I have kidney damage to this day. Like I have some problems because uh, I would like just do like 13, 14 pills in, a, in like oh a 24 gosh. hour period. And like at that point, you're like 14, 15 years old and you're doing this. I mean, the, the damage- Oh, it's catastrophic. It's catastrophic, yeah, it is catastrophic. I mean, there was times where I couldn't pee for four or five days. I mean, like to the point where it could have been toxic, you know, like, and you would, like, I just remember having these these these, these uh, side effects. And I think nobody was talking about it then because ecstasy was like back in and I feel like parents weren't prepared. And it was like sort of this movement and everyone was saying, oh, it wasn't addicting, it wasn't addicting. Yeah, I think it is probably. I mean, if you, I think you can kind of get a, at least a habit, right? I mean, everyone says weed's not addicting, but it's like, oh, bro, but you, you know, we'll try quitting it. It's like you smoke bro, every day. Skittles are addictive. Yeah. I mean, everything is. So, what are your parents doing at this time? Do they know what's going on, or do they just think our poor son's got health problems? Or well, they kept going on these mission trips and then having like my grandma <laughs> stay with us. But then I would just leave, and she would have no clue. Yeah, like, you're over at the pirate house. house. She'd be like, it smells like a skunk in here. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, Grandma, it's a skunk, you know, or whatever. Uh, you know, like, but it was, it was a genuine, like, I feel like there was a disconnect where they just assumed we were doing what's right. And I got really good at, like, hiding and evading and just being like, oh, I'm studying or I'm doing this. I got real sneaky. Yeah. And I think that's what's real scary is I got so um, good at living this life to where my parents thought I was okay. But if you look at the pictures, I mean, you can see the skin, the, I mean, the acne, like just from, you know, just from the, the, the abuse. Yeah, your also, whole body is just totally can, toxic. The hair, the, the, there's no soul in the eyes, you know? And so it was like, you know, then, uh, I, I mean, I can't share too many details about them, but certain people, you know, I got really into, into doing blow for a long time, for a while, but I don't, I never really liked blow very much, but people just had it, you know? So, so it's just, it's just LA. Defying so. blow. I mean, uh, you're a pharmacologist for the, yeah, for the co novice. Yeah, cocaine. I mean, yeah. I, like, I was never a coke addict, and I don't feel like at any of this time that I was like addicted to a specific drug, but I was addicted to doing drugs. Like, if that makes sense, like a, to a party, to like this this moment just of- Just trying anything? Just, just going out and just living, because there was nothing on the inside. I was so empty on the inside that all I could do was like experience through external pleasure. And that's when I realized- during this experience that I was at, like, you know, I, I just said, I guess I'm atheist because I don't, I neither feel God nor know God nor really believe God's real. Like I go, I don't think God exists. So I just sort of rejected the notion of God. And I was that like, like late high school or when was that? Yeah. Mid high school. I'm like probably more like freshman. That's when you get a little more year. philosophical. Yeah. I just like, I don't, I just don't believe in God anymore. So it was just kind of a, and I go, you know, I didn't know the difference between being an agnostic or atheist or what the, 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 differentiation was. I just kind of would like use the different terms. But of course, like to Christians, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a Christian and I love God. And then to, you know, people really ask and I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. And I, you know, cause I, I don't know. I just didn't know. Like, how could you really know? Like I, I saw what God was, what my parents presented, what the people did. And I saw the church. I saw people spit on each other, like spit each other up, chew each other out. Yeah. I, I watched like, it was so vicious. And in fact, my, my druggy friends, at least I mean, they were broken, but at least they were cool. Like they weren't they were yeah. They're not going to judge you. They're yeah, like, they won't judge me. You look bad. They've got they're throwing up on themselves. Right. So, so. so it's like I feel more accepted by these people than I did by people even in the church. And it was like, and I knew if I was ever honest with anyone at my church about anything I was doing or did, that there would be immediate consequences. Your dad right? would get fired, right? 
Yeah, probably. I, I mean, he'd be put in a wood chipper. The only question would be feet first or head first, but he's yeah. going in. Yeah, no, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, and you think about that, like, oh, my father, my this, my that, that it's like, and my church was so crazy that, like, I even secretly made a MySpace and, like, the youth mm. pastor's wife, like, Does that still it. exist? Do you still have it? No, I don't think anyone still has it. I don't, we. Bands still use it. I know, but it's like. MySpace was what social media was supposed to be. You had control. You could change your code. You had your top eight. You could create your own drama. And now we have algorithms. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's now they can create drama but for us. But if somebody wants to find your MySpace, is it still functional? I pray to God it's not. <laughs> it's like so embarrassing. It's like, oh my gosh, it looked like, oh. Yeah, it's a, if you see people, some people I've seen, I've showed on my show pictures of myself during those years. I mean, I had two-toned black and bleach blonde hair like down to like my shoulders. Like Corella's kid? Yeah, I looked like a like a cross beat between like a uh, like a My Chemical Romance singer and Corella Deville, uh, but like with none of the class, none of the skill, and none of the wealth. So, just like a loser. <laughs> That's fun, man. So, where did does it ever change? I mean, is this still the lane you're in, or did something pivot at some point? Well, yeah, no, something did pivot. Because um, I, I think real, real quick, I yeah. think most people today, I think. I think most people on the far left think this is the only option on the right. And most people on the far right think this is the only option on the far left. And so it's, it's this overreaction to stereotypes on both sides. But somehow you ended up, you know, not that far right, but not that far left. How, what, what happened to get you there? And still have faith. Because at this point, most people just, they're done with the church forever. It's, it's like the ex-wife. They don't, they don't want anything to do with it. Well, I think it's two parts, and I don't want to focus on the first part too much, but like I was at UC Irvine studying biomedical engineering, and I just felt so um, empty. I felt so broken. I sort of lost my aim in life. And men, especially men, know this. It's like if you have internal problems and you're not sure of who you are, you're not sure of what you want, then you don't end up enjoying anything. You end up blowing it in your, in your, in your job, in your schooling, in your relationships. I mean, even if you're you know, older, if you're a father, I mean, yep. with your children, you just, if you don't have that, that, that spark or the life and the drive, you, you get really off course. And I'd gotten so off course that I had determined, I'm like, okay, I'm going to kill myself. So I started living like, uh, not too intentionally, intentionally like blow my brains out, but to go, I'm going to live and do drugs at a level to where I'll probably overdose and die, but I'm okay with that. And I would rather overdose and die. I'm just too much of a wuss to actually kill myself at the time. So I, I couldn't do it. So I was like, so when I was laying in a bed and I almost killed myself, like genuinely, I like had woke like was like in this moment over a few day bender. And uh, I just got done uh, fornicating with my then girlfriend who was with me. And I told her, and I was like, kind of like in this moment where I'm going. Just so you know, that was a fundamentalist glitch. You went to the <laughs> F word. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops. Yeah. No, but I'll say, so, yeah. so like, so like, uh, so like we're, we're there and I'm like so empty. And I literally had an existential crisis where I go, I literally just had sex. That's what men are supposed to want. I'm in a good school with a, with a full ride with a, in a nice university. Uh, I got drugs, I've got alcohol, I got a life and I had a pretty good job. Uh, and I just go, but I, I feel like I, I want to die. Like I just really want to die. Yeah. And it was this, this insane urge that I now know to be the devil in my ear of just like kill yourself. And I couldn't get it out of my head. And so I go, if I'm, if I'm going to kill myself and if, and I hold this idea this day, if I'm really willing to really kill myself, I should go try something else literally insane and crazy because like the worst thing that could happen is I could fail at it and then want to kill myself and we're just back to where we are and then we'll just do it. Uh, so I did something crazy. I just dropped out of school one day. I just called my mom. I just turned a paper. I just dropped out of school and I decided to uh, detox and try to like rehab off of uh, 
the, what I was on at the time. And the only thing that I knew was a Bible college that I could afford was a Bible college down in uh, Marietta. You're going, you're going to Bible college. Well, right? I just went there to detox because I knew, that, like, I knew that I could get away and just like change my number yeah. and get away from everyone. And that my parents didn't know what I was doing, didn't know the, the depth of my life. Uh, I had gone to rehab at like 16 though um, already. And so by this point, I'm like, I don't want to go to rehab. I hate rehab. I'm just going to go to- uh, Just a place where there's no drugs and I can yeah, hide. Yeah. So, so I just, I went there and they could tell I was not a believer and they knew that it wasn't, but somebody gave me a book called Why Grace Changes Everything. And I read it over a few days and then I was on the toilet and I had a salvation moment. I mean, like literally, I mean, talk about losing more than just your lunch. Like that's- it was a very vulnerable place, but I, when I understood <laughs> grace, I think it was when uh, Chuck Smith said that he realized even though like he wouldn't even walk on like the same street as a movie theater, like he was that holy and righteous, that he didn't really receive God's grace and love till yeah. like a decade into him being a pastor, meaning he didn't even understand yeah. who God was and what it was and that he realized that he was no worse than the people that, you know, were going to the porno theater down the street or whatever, that there was no difference, that God's grace was equal and that it was valuable and that it was not determined by your self-worth and what you valued of yourself or who you think you are, but who God made you to be. Yep. And God made you with value. He made you with eternal worth. He made you with, with, with such detail. And that detail wasn't to be wasted. It was to have a plan and a purpose. And that at any point in your life, you can restart and that God, even if the world, you, obviously I always say there's two people that remember your past, women and the devil, but God doesn't. And, and it was like, you don't have to worry about making it right with your friends, making it right with your family, undoing the, the, the evil that you've done in the past. Like you can just give your gut life to God and he'll change you. And I just go, that's what I need. And I never really heard the real gospel. The only gospel I had heard is raise your hand. If you want to receive Christ today, the blood of Christ compels you or whatever, you know, fall down or something. But I'm like, I, I like, I, the God connect, right? The soul of man mm -hmm. transcended from the flesh and connected with the heart of God. And I felt like a fusion and I felt warmth. And I can only say- How I old were you at that time? Uh, at this time I was 19, I think. Yeah, so I was 19. I was 19 when I got saved. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a, and then I got up and I didn't know what to do. So then I go to- Flush. The, yeah. <laughs> flush, yeah, you got flush. My wife still tells me that today. <laughs> no, but I, 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 I felt like I, um, like, so I, I go to go to the mall and these guys approached me in the parking lot and were like, hey, we were sent to meet someone here and we want you to receive, uh, you know, just the love and the power of the Holy Spirit and to like be, be an anointing and pray over you. And I thought I was going to get mugged because there was like Mexican guys <laughs> and like thugs. And I was like, oh, damn. And I was like, I'm about to go. I, like, I'm going to wake up yeah. in a motel sex missing a kidney. That's what I was like, cause he, like, there's like a group of guys and they <laughs> yeah. prayed on me, uh, like, like prayed and laid their hands on me. And then I didn't even know. I honestly did not know. I thought tongues was fake. I, I, I don't know if you even care what you believe in it, but I started speaking in tongues. And then I went into the mall and just started telling everyone Jesus loves them and got kicked out by security because I was freaking people out. Cause I was like high on the Lord. And I just like, was like telling Jesus yeah. loves you and telling people and like, dude, you can't be like harassing people inside the mall. So that's why now I just do it as a job today, but can't do it in the mall. You can do it online. But I, I, yeah, so that was basically what changed. It was this major supernatural experience and being a science background type of person, I wouldn't have believed that was possible. And I still get why people think I'm crazy for saying it, but it was like, it changed my life forever. You know, now I've had ups and downs in my life, of course, because the world's been crazy and it has, you know, and my life has not been easy like everybody else's, it has not, but that's really what changed it. Like that's, that's what, and, and you know, so I ended up going to Bible college. I ended up actually re-enrolling re and I went to like seminary at APU and really? still ended up getting a, you know, uh, I still ended up getting my biology degree and, uh, you know, genetic engineering and different things. So I still got both, best of both worlds, but, but, uh, that's, but here's the difference. What changed then 
was that like I had this high and I was on it. But then when I got out into the real world again, like you're not just in church and you're not just in culture. You're not just in, a, in school, in a private school. Mm-hmm. And you're not just in this, but you're out in the real world. Your faith gets tested. And sometimes you realize how much you're, you're, you're basing on emotion or feeling and not really on the, just the truth. And you get tested on your self-control, on your spiritual things. And I think the real testing of the man comes like when you set out and you embark. Because it was when I got like, when I, when I blundered and made like my first real mistake, like when I started getting back into sexual sin after like, you know, I always say this with Christians is like, I hate how the story is. And this is why I think so many people leave the church. Even one of the main aspects is because we, we don't have a redemption arc in, in, in Christianity anymore. And it's a, it's a, it's a leftist idea of removing redemption. It's like this idea of, uh, you know, you, you got saved and everyone has their testimony of how I got saved. How'd you, how are how is it being saved? What, what is God saving you from even today? Right? Like, yeah. like, well, the whole, the whole message is die and go to heaven. And the question is, well, what do I do in the meantime? Yeah. Like I've got some time to kill. And if I'm in my, you know, if I'm young, I've got a lot of time to kill. And, and that's the major gap. Cause if Jesus only kicks in at the end, you have no compass in the middle. Well, and that's what that's, but that's when I realized even the Christian groups that I was in, that I was, my walk with God was so leaning on the body of Christ that when I went through an issue and I started having sex with, uh, with my, uh, girlfriend then, and I was like, Hey, I don't want to do this. And I was being genuine. You know, I'm like, I don't really want to do this. I started partying again a little bit. Cause I started feeling guilty and I held it in cause I didn't feel like anyone could listen. And exactly what I thought would happen happened when I like opened up to people and was like, Hey, to, to trusted people. I, I don't, I think you have the same mindset. I don't say names to, to people, but just, you know, who you are. When I came to you and was like, Hey, I'm actually really hurting inside. And I have this, like, you know, this other, these things that I'm doing, but I don't want to be doing them. There wasn't, there wasn't forgiveness. There wasn't love. It was, it was rejection. It was, you're disqualified. You can't serve. You can't do this. Like, you know, the gossip, the spreading, like it was, there was no sacredness of information. And so then it was like the whole church, like it, it put me in this shock state where I'm going, I, I, I wouldn't say like I got unsaved or like I left God, but I think I realized how much my faith was in people and not in like in the body of Christ, but not in Christ. Because when the church rejected me and sort of was like, oh, you're unclean, unclean, unclean. It was like, go to the camp, go, get away from us rather than, hey, you're a human. Let's just, let's just work. And let's, where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? Where does God want you to go? Let's align those goals together and let's move together. It was a, well, there's no redemption. You were saved. How do you go back to your sin? Like a dog returns to vomit. How do you go back? And so then I just like popped out entirely. I, I just completely left and I just went back into the world. Like it, like full, full force, just, just, uh, you know, back into all depravity that you could think of. I just snapped back into it. And I, but this time I didn't enjoy it. So this is, Felt this is, really as a, this is really important. So I think for most people who are not Christians, they don't understand that when you become a Christian and you do get a new nature, you get the Holy Spirit, you get new desires. And so Paul says this in Galatians, that the spirit is against the flesh and that it's keeping you from doing what you want to do. And Paul says, you know, I do the things I don't want to be doing and I'm not doing the things I want to be doing. He's got this frustration. When you definitely genuinely meet God, your desires change. And it doesn't mean that you're perfect and you work it all out, but what you used to like, you no longer like. And so you go back to your lifestyle and it becomes something that you just really regret and it doesn't provide the same satisfaction. And so I think that's the big difference between religion and really redemption. Religion is here's all the things you need to do. And redemption is God has done something in here and I got to figure out how that works out here. 
And so your story sounds like, and I want to get back to it. So you know what you remind me of? The story of the prodigal son? Like, you're the schizophrenic, bipolar, double brother. <laughs> That's what you are, bro. That's what you are. So, like, you spent 13 years... You missed years... one of the diagnoses. You could add a few more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, were, you spent the first 13 years as the older brother in the story, the self-righteous, judgmental, dutiful, but not relational, not redeemed, not just performance-based, sort of, you know, legalistic. And then you decided, I'm going to do younger brother for a while. I'm going to you know, do blow and, you know, get a minor in pharmacology and, you know, try to break all the commandments. Pharmacology, by <laughs> yeah, the experimental way. pharmacology. Yeah. Put that on your resume, you know? Yeah. Some, yeah. Some, some, some experience, you know. Yeah. It, some ex yeah it's like, I used to work as a pharmacy technician and you're like telling the patient, yeah, I've tried those. Those are pretty good. Like, <laughs> like, it'll, it'll do the trick. Trust me. So, but you went between those two. Well, yeah. You like, well, and this is, this is what I think is, and, and I try to get out there is because I, I hate... I hate people like who who just aren't real because it just let's just be honest. It's like you can fumble the ball even if you're the greatest football player in the world. Like people just are flawed. We do just make mistakes. And I love it when people are like even a that uh, pastor of I don't remember what I think it was Hillsong, New York or whatever. People are like, oh, like he made some mistakes in his life at his marriage or whatever. And I remember people were just like they just like abandoned him entirely. And I, I, and I remember just thinking like how sad. I remember like even Christians talking to me about you know people I know in ministry. And I remember telling Christian, I said, how dare you talk to, to about one of God's children or like one of God's servants like that? Like that guy made some, the guy blew it, you know, whatever. There's consequences for your actions. Like that's actually true. And that's totally fine. And so what, you know, he can, whatever happens to him, he's going to have to pay those consequences here on earth. There's always a consequence. There's a reason why God said though, to even visit the prisoner, like that to go to those who are broken, that those who need him, because sometimes God uses our own imperfections to humble us so that we realize what we truly need. So we don't rely on our status or our wealth or these types of things, but we rely on him totally. Mm -hmm. He'll strip us down and it's miserable. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying anything, but to watch the way that Christians, that's what I'm saying, the redemption arc, talk about Christians who make mistakes was what threw me out of the church. Like I was like, I just was like, I don't want to do with Christians anymore. This is, this is stupid. I want to be real and raw and I'm royally messing, uh, messing up my life right now, but at least I'm honest about it. Like people, I was like, I'm not hiding this anymore. I'm at least like, Hey, I'm out in the open and I'm screwing up because now I'm a Christian and I know that this is against the Bible, but I'm not going to like twist the Bible and reinvent and redefine You're not going to go is. progressive, red letter. Yeah. And I think this is where, where the, the political thing started, started moving. I was like, well, I don't, I, I'm, I'm messing up too much but I don't want to do what's right. So I started getting invested in like, well, I want to do what's right in the world, but I don't want to be held accountable to try to have like this moral code. So I'm going to go into where the worst people in the world are, politics. You know, like I'm just going to go, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the, the, the sinners. And then even crazier, I'm going to combine the worst place in the world with the most psychotic and just stupid industry media. And I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to go work out my worldview. Cause I'm going, I know I'm wrong, but I'm going to go work it out and I'm going to do it on camera. So that was literally what, what got me into this was into politics was I go, there's got to be more people like me who they just, the church, they feel like it's not for them. The world, they feel like it's too messed up, but even though they've got issues, they want to try to do better. They want to better their lives and they want to impact the world. So I'm just going to go ahead and make my own brand, my own design, my own life. And I'm going to fuse what I know is right with the chaotic nature of who I am right now and just be blunt and upfront and out in the open. And we'll see if anyone receives this. And Unfortunately, it looks like there's a lot more screwed up people in the world because a lot of people received oh, it. Bro. It, got re it got received really Dude, well. I they mean, it took they are legion. You guys are the majority. Yeah, like normal healthy people that drink decaf and emotionally process, 
there's like seven. They're having a conference in a phone booth somewhere. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not a, it's not a I movement. I like to yeah. meet them. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's what they say, right? There are messed up people and then there are liars, you know? So it's like, it's just, yeah. that, but that's what I'm saying. So what, what's so crazy is it's been such a conflict for me because people, because I've been so outspoken about my faith in God, I tell people, well, you know, people go, oh, well, you know, you've got flaws. Like, I, there's nobody that, that I feel like gives me more crap on the internet than, than Christians because I'm openly flawed. For, I, say, I, for I, saying I stuff it. like crap. I, well, I, I, I'm like, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear. No, but I meant, I meant like, people go, well, how can you, when you A, have done this, or hey, you're doing this, con confess God? And I go, how can you, you know, when you want to go fast, admit that you broke the speed limit or, or admit what the speed limit is? Like, I mean, you can go fast, but don't lie. You do, it's the, the sign's posted. It says 40 miles per hour. It's like, God's real. I've already met him and I see his word and it's true. If I'm not following it, I just tell people like, yeah, like, oh, you know, you... You're too loose with your tongue. And I go, I am. Do you have any advice? Do you have like, cause like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, the Middle East, you know, it's got issues. It's like, cool, bro. We, everyone can watch the news and see that COVID, you know, it's not that good. It's like, right. But I feel like that's where it's been so, so, so difficult. And I think people know this to where you're too honest with yourself to be fake to the world anymore. Like I, like I grew up fake and then I was in a church and it required, like I didn't drink, smoke or do anything then, but then when I really did have a problem, they wanted you to be fake or they would spit you out. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. And then I get into politics and I realize it's the same thing. They're all just liars and they're fake. And so it's like, I just want to be royally messed up and figure my life out and try to figure out the truth together with people. And I'm on a journey and I, and I want to seek that journey. And over the years, I'll tell you, I mean, there have been some really highs and lows. I mean, to create a podcast and somehow get picked up by, by Blaze TV, like a conservative news network, people automatically assume you're like this conservative when really you're coming out of this debauched lifestyle and you're just an LA kid. I mean, I started with a bleached hair. I had a nose ring when I started my oh, podcast. Uh, you see, know, it should have started with that. We would have just closed in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> the nose don't, ring? don't tell God me you've got a tattoo on the your name lower back. If you got a tattoo on your lower back, we're just. It's a uh, Hunter Biden gave it to me. It was, uh, <laughs> one of our crazy nights. It's true. It was a good night. Uh, no, but yeah, I just meant like, so it was like, it's like you go in this position and so you move out. And what's kind of funny is by being honest with myself and being honest about finding out what the truth is and by like searching yeah. it out, it's actually made positive changes in my spiritual life because the truth sets you free. And the more I've been real with myself, I've been able to get comfortable with myself and I've gotten stronger. Like I used to be weak when I was in the church and I was perfect living like righteously in the eyes of the church. I was a little B-I-T-C-H. I actually was because the thing was when I made a mistake, it's like, oh, I made a mistake. And then what? I let that collapse my whole life. It's like, that's a weakness as a man. And it's so crazy that by following the rules of the church, it actually positioned me to be in the exact opposite of what God needed me to be or, or to go through. And by just being blunt and honest and by being a, a, an eternally flawed person here on earth, but knowing I have the grace of God and then wanting to pair up that holiness, but without the, the legalism, without the with religious, the real, without veneer, the, yeah. the real faith has given me such freedom to go out into the world and realize I feel like I'm hated by people that are really conservative and liberal. I'm hated by the Christians and the atheists. It's like, it's I'm just awesome, trying to be I, real. So one of the greatest weeks of my life. I got protested by the uh, alphabet soup people. The, I don't know what it is now. The LGBTQIA. I don't even know. letters from Greek now. Like <laughs> yeah, it's Roman numerals. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you know. It's Morse I, code. I yeah, don't know. I identify as a six. I don't know what that is. And then the next week, it was the Westboro Baptist people showed up to protest me. And it's like you know, 
It it takes a special skill to get the the legalists and the lesbians to to align. You know? I know now the lesbians are becoming legalists. It's getting it's all the worlds are crossing. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on. I'm having drag shows in churches now. I don't know if you saw that in DC. They're hosting children's drag shows. The tr- the churches it's for a ministry, the drag show ministry. I'm like Man, that's, I, I heard of the coffee ministry, and I know we were kind of extending those ministries a little far, but drag shows probably, probably draw the line. We'll, we'll draw the line somewhere at drag. Yeah. I, I, you got to go see the pictures. It's literally insane. I can't, bro. I throw up in my mouth. Yeah, well, My I, dad hung drywall. My grandpa was a diesel mechanic. I, I don't even know how to emotionally process drag shows in the church. I mean... Right. Well, I, but I don't either. And this is what I, I and this is, I don't know where, where, where you wanted to go with this, but this is what I wanted. Maybe I'll just talk it I out I don't think with it you. matters, bro. I think you're just going to go. Yeah, this, like, I'll talk this out with you, like, uh, <laughs> of, of where, of what is really conflicting is when you're a man, when you're a woman, when you're an adult and you're out in the world, right? You don't That's have... a lot of binary categories right there. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Very judgy. Yeah, I don't feel safe. When you're safe. non-binary, when you're trans, when you're trans adjacent, I mean, they'd be exhausted. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Like, yeah. Uh, but when you're out there... You have a choice. You either A, fit into a system, and then the parts of you that don't, you hide, you lie about, which is why I think now 11% of Americans are on some form of an SSRI, right? We're, 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 we're What's trying an to, SSRI? Like an antidepressant type thing. Like they're, they're literally like 10% of Americans Does that clinically include whiskey? Depressed. Yeah, well. Because <laughs> if, if not, the number's way higher. Yeah, I was like, that's, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> then, I, then I'm clinically depressed too. I was like, this yeah. is coffee in here. Don't worry. I know. Yeah. I am like this. Imagine this is me with no whiskey. So, so the, the point is, is like you go out there, and if you want to be honest, and if you really want to find the truth, you're not going to fit in anywhere because that's not a si- there's no system. No, to, prophets no are system always in the woods, bro, and right. they come in to get beat up. That's what it feels like. It's like it's like, and I'm telling you, it's not easy. Like, and I, it I get it. The prophet always lives in the prophet never lives in town. The prophet always lives in the woods because because nobody in town will accept them for long enough for it to become a home for them. Well, and see, that's what I was gonna say. Is like, is like, I, I want to say this to people that are feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid to go out into God's calling or to do what I want because, you know, I've got these sins in my past or even in my present or I've got these flaws or even, even a disability like or something, right, that's keeping you. It's like, dude, I'll be completely honest. Some days, like, I literally almost just deleted my Twitter after I wanted to just write, I'm tired, and then just click delete and just, like, delete all my social media and just never speak to people again because I go, why am I even doing what I do? It's, it's just like you get – it's an uphill battle. You know, you have tech companies against you. You have oh, yeah. all these people who want to keep the status quo, like, on your side who don't want you to try to break boundaries or make people uncomfortable. And they don't want you to where I do. I try to – I always call what I do. Like, I try to be the pot smoking to right-wing, uh, you know, right-wing ideas where I want to be somebody who – if you just like craziness or you're out in the world that you can kind of come here and find a home, but it's backed by truth. And someone had called my show the Christian Howard Stern, which I don't know what that means, but it's like, whatever. So you're like a, a gateway platform. Well, and that, that's, that's literally what I, but that's what the vision when I started. But here's the thing, I'm developing now and, and I'm, I'm developing as a person. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say like, I, I, I'm, I'm exhausted as a man because it's like, you know, friends betray you. People are always, you know, like I, people make video hit piece videos about me with things I didn't even know about myself that aren't, I mean, they like somehow know things that happened in my life that they're not true. Like you, that's a pretty convincing story. I would almost believe it. You know, like they'll just come out against you and people will just tear you down and they'll, they'll, it's always trying to destroy and pull you down. You're like, dude, I'm literally not doing this for the money. I'm not, 
Like, I mean, I mean, you know, I've, I've lost in the last years, lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in advertising by just choosing to say something that's true or by, you know, whatever, not redacting something that I still believe. And it's not because I'm just, you know, stupid or somehow mentally handicapped. It's like, no, I, I mean, I mean, I, for defending Kyle Rittenhouse, I lost my, my biggest sponsor in the, in, in the entire world. And they turned out to be innocent. And it's like, well, it was worth losing hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to, to speak the truth because unfortunately, I just don't want to lie. So I don't want to lie. And then you get out there and people are like, oh, so you're a truth seeker. You believe in God. And then the, the, the atheists and the people come out and they go, but you have flaws and I've seen your life and I've seen you make mistakes and I've seen that you don't, you're not always perfect. Now let me try to destroy your reputation because I want to attack you because I want people to think you're bad. So you have like the, the, the political, you have the religious, you have the cultural. And it's like, it's like, no wonder why everyone's a fake and a fraud these days. No wonder why people don't even try. No wonder why everyone's such a wuss and men don't do anything. It's because it's like, you literally do have to be strong. And unless you know God, unless you've got, you know, something's got to drive you, ego, money, something. But the only thing that can sustain you is literally Christ. And so I got to a point recently where I went, man, I am far from God, meaning I am not close to God to where I should be. I told my wife that this was several months ago. I said, I am literally not close to God. She's like, how do you know? I said, cause I know when I am. Like, I, I just, I know when I am and I'm like, I'm like, like, I, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to kill myself, but I'm going like, I'm like, sometimes as adults, people know this. It's like, dude, you're just like, I can't do it. I just want to shut this off. Like the world and look at the world. I mean, you look at the world around you, you can't, the institutions, it's not like you can like, the world makes sense anymore. We're, we're post 2001 or as MSNBC put it, post insurrection America, <laughs> you know, we're in a weird freaking stage where you got people with face diapers that worsen their disease and they still wear them and they're fat. And you're like, sir. Oh dude, I saw a guy problem. I saw a guy. Oh, I'll tell you a story. So and then and then and then maybe this will turn into a pastoral therapy session. But what you're seeing right now is you're seeing spirit of fear uh triggering various levels of mental illness. Social media is built on fear, anger, and triggering people who are emotionally, spiritually unwell. That's all that it is. And they're just triggering each other all day. It defies all logic. So let me, let me tell you what the best thing you can do, and this is true for any leader. I say this all the time. So for what it's worth, you become a Christian to give Jesus your sin. You become a leader. You got to throw in your reputation. It's easy to give Jesus your sin. It's hard to give me a reputation. Once you give me a reputation, you sleep different. And it's not that you don't care, but you only care about whether or not you're faithful. Not successful, not popular, not understood, not liked. It's not a hardness of heart, it's actually the ability to love people from a deeper place because you're not using them for approval. You're just trying to help. And so the weird place you are is actually really, I mean, pretty healthy. I think the conclusion you've come to is right. The question is how to live in that space and, um, and be okay with it. And that, that's, that, that's where I think where, where, where it was freeing again. And, and, I, and I mean this genuinely is like when you can be honest with yourself, it's one thing to be honest with the world and talk about politics and the truth about COVID and stuff, but to look into your heart and to God and be like, Lord, I am not where you want me to be. And if I'm not positioned inside, then I cannot affect the outside in a way that you would want because, you know, there are many, you know, politicians and basketball players and doctors and things, but very few people can admit that they are wrong and the heart is so deceitfully wicked. And I'm like, Lord, but you know it truly. 
and it's like, Lord, I need you. So I was like, I'm going to give my life back to you. Like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give my, <clears throat> my, my control of my heart because I, I realized once again, I had had some, some, some issues with people in my, in my life. Just people have been so cruel recently and they probably still will be. To, Why do you to listen sense. to it? Why well, do you? There, there are people that I've, there's like people I've loved, you know, and, and cared about and, you know, let it, there's, there's just, just, I'll leave it there. And I, I just, that's the point is I, I, I don't need to listen to it. And that's, that's what I'm saying is I go, God, I don't, we, I don't want to keep doing this cycle and we need to not do this cycle because right now there's no room for wusses. The world's getting tougher. Things are getting more expensive. Uh, you promised us trial and tribulation. You said you literally that people that, 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 that families would betray each other, that there would be that the brother and father and mother against one another. If you'd promised me these things, then why am I going to sit around surprised? What I'm going to say is you knew this would come. This day and age would be here. Give me the strength, Lord. Fill me with what I need to be the man you desire me to be. Mm -hmm. This mission is too tough for me, which means that I need to be tougher. Because I hate that verse people misquote, like, God will not give you more than you can handle. I'm like, that's not that a the, verse. That that's a first were, and second ridiculous yeah. nonsense. Saying that to people that were crucified upside down. I'm pretty sure being brutally murdered is a little more than you can handle. Uh, but I know it's like about temptation. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I get tempted to live in fear. I get tempted. Like he won't give you more temptation. He'll give you a way out. Like he can, he can give you the way out, even if it lends you to prison. And I'm reminded that sometimes even when you, when you escape sin or you escape these temptations, it can lead to a temporary trial. Like with Joseph, where he actually got put in jail for taking God's way out. And it's like, and I realized God, but you know, he had joy and he still made it out. And then God returned him riches and blessing. And so I, I realized with God, I'm like, Lord, that I'm with you. So I'm like, Lord, well, I want to be obedient. And like by the grace of God, I don't know how it happened, but I finally made it back to church. I've gone two weeks in a row and I'm like, it's so hard though. Like I'm like, I'm in and out. I'm like, I'm sitting down and I'm like, I'm not, I'm that person who's out. I'm not even stopping by the, the coffee. Yeah. It feels like you're returning to the crime scene, man. Yeah. I'm like there and I'm like, Yes, I am a little hungover. Just I'm... here for the drag show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go in without children? I don't know if it's possible. You have to have kids to go in. No, but I meant like, I'm like, I'm like, now I want to, I want to get things right. But this is where I'm feeling the calling is that God gave me a word the other day. And this is what I, what I think, uh, I think it's going to be the message that I'm, that I'm going to start bringing to people is as things deteriorate externally. And it's all, if you're afraid, I, I mean, it is hard. I, I don't, like, I know God has, has blessed me with a, a um, like, proximal type of income, meaning I could work harder and make more money so I can um, do what Biden said, where they said we should love inflation because, you know, it makes us work harder and working hard is an American ethic, so. Yeah, and it allows us to give more money to the government. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you should love getting Super stabbed because, you know, yeah. science is cool and it's fun to go to the doctor and see them work because, <laughs> uh, you know, healthcare professionals need jobs too, but uh no, but I, I go, I go, you know, as things are eroding, the temptation is going to be, you know, oh, my friends betrayed me or my family broke apart. And we saw that with the pandemic. I mean, yeah. the vaccination status broke my family apart. I mean, it's crazy. And I mean, that's so stupid, but it does happen. You have to stop thinking and I need to, and everyone. Well, to vac we vaccinations became the new circumcision. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it today. Uh, I saw they said it was 98 degrees in the UK, which means they said that, um, it's climate change and they've shut down the airports because the, the runways melted in 98 degree weather. And I said, well, they should have been boosted. You know what I mean? You got to vaccinate everything. <laughs> you got to vaccinate our highways, our, our runways. That's the key to success. You ever you're going through a divorce? Vaccinate. That's the key to everything. So, so you know what's going to happen for you? The best thing that's going to happen for you. Do you know what it is? 
hope you're going to say I'm about to win a million dollars. No. Okay. Becoming a dad. Really? That's when you'll understand who God is. A man doesn't understand who God is until he becomes a father. Once he becomes a father, he understands grace. He understands perseverance. He understands pleasure and approval because a child never works for your love. They work from it. Hmm. There's something in you that still sees God more as a master than a father. And every guy starts there. And it becomes this, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be tougher. And then you reach a point where like Jesus at his baptism, the father speaks over the son and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And you and I both know he hadn't done anything. He hadn't preached sermon. He hadn't cast out a demon. He hadn't performed a miracle. He didn't have a convert. He started from approval. The, when you're a young man, you're trying to work for approval, not from it. And the religious sequence that you were raised in, it just absolutely, in an abusive, predatorial way, groomed you to have a master-slave relationship with God. So like, um, God doesn't love you anymore on your best day. He doesn't love you anymore on your worst day. Um, and the father heart of God is, and so most guys that are young, they get really excited about Jesus because he's the, he's the, uh, the exemplary brother. Uh, but Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the father, but through me. So the, the point is the Holy Spirit saves you. And then you, you fall in love with Jesus, you meet Jesus. But then the healing happens when you get to know God as father. And the whole point of Jesus is to get you to the father. And so, you know, I think where you're at is an entire generation of young men. Most of the churches they went to were high control, legalistic, domineering, overbearing, condemning, and shaming. And most of the things they were taught growing up is what not to do. They have no idea what the hell to do. They have no idea. And so then they exit as soon as they can get out from under their parents, usually, you know, late teens, early twenties, depending upon when you sort of start to launch. And they do the exact same thing you did. They get in a lot of trouble. They're just burdened with guilt and shame. And I know this is wrong, but I hate this so much. And so you are a generational case study in what I think there is a huge percentage of young men. I think that's why, I think that's why they listen to you. They identify with you. So I think the journey that you're on and the reason that it's hard, I think there's a lot of younger brothers that are going to follow you. And the conclusions you come to are the conclusions that you're going to lead them to. Hmm. So the, the, the reason it's hard for you, you're the big brother. And, and, and if you're the little brother, it's easier because your big brother goes before you and figures stuff out. And you've got a lot of little brothers. That's going to be your audience online. But once you get to know God as father, you're just going to live different. You're going to sleep different. You're going to see different. You're going to think different. I'll never forget my, uh, my oldest, uh, I, I'm old enough now to be a dad. I started out as the uh, kind of the young shock jock evangelical, you know, I, you know, I'm way out of bounds. And, uh, and a whole generation of young guys followed me because I was kind of the, the untucked big brother, you know, and whether they loved me or hated me, at least they knew I was going to be honest. And then something happens when you become a father, something starts to change in your soul. Never forget, um, 
my oldest son was born. He's now, uh, he's off at camp. He's teaching Bible to kids probably right now. Uh, he's, he's married. He's 22. I, I mean, he's, he's doing great. I'm super proud of him. But when he was first born, I remember holding my firstborn son. And I thought, okay, this is like life-changing divine moment. And I was holding him and I prayed over him. And I was like, God, I'm a father and I have a son and you're my father and I'm your son. Please use this son to, to teach me about your heart. And my son crapped on my foot. <laughs> just boom, just drop that first one, which isn't even on the periodic chart. It's I like- I pictured that right now. I was like, <laughs> that hit me deeper. Than it <laughs> and I had open toed sandals and it was the summer. I just stepped on my dog's poop with shoes on. I almost threw up. And I remember I just started laughing and I thought, you know what? I love him and this doesn't affect anything because he's my son. Right. Now, if you did that right now, I would have a different reaction. Like if you, t if you dropped a deuce, if you dropped a deuce <laughs> on my boot, bro, we'd be done. And the point is my son lives in a completely different category than every other human being. And he gets to do things that nobody else gets to do. And it doesn't cause me to have any reaction to him that's negative in any way. My devotion is unconditional. You've never probably had that with your father. Uh, you've probably never had that with a spiritual leader. And that's probably why you're here. Yeah, no, I, I know it's like, well, it's like, um, I, I'm gonna get a bill at the end of this. <laughs> I, how much is this an hour? Uh, no, I, you know, it, it, it you're is. You're his son. Well, it is, it is, it is so true. And I think, I think that that's the interesting thing is like, but then what's crazy is, is then you, this is why I think where people who do grow up in that end up getting abused by a lot of people because because you have that relationship with the authority and with God. I've never thought about it like that. You try to give what you wish you had with God to other people where you just try to be like, I'll just forgive you. We can move on. I'll, I'll you know, open my door. I'll open my house to you. You know, I'll be your friend. I'll do this. And these people just turn around and they'll just, they'll stab you in the back. They'll abuse you. And you go, I didn't do anything to you. And you're like, I'm just trying to live my life. So you end up with all this chaos in trying to, 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 to do this. But it's like, I feel like it's, it could be, you know, a do, form of do weakness. You, do you know what that's called? What? Ministry. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard. Just, you, you don't put a, don't put a category out of wrong, attack, abuse, cancel. Just put this category. That's ministry. Because we're not Jesus. That's for dang sure. I mean, you've got a pot problem and, you know, and, and, and I, 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 you know, I've been canceled so many times I'm into the zombie rounds at this point, you know? So, but at the end of the day, if you just look at the life of Jesus, that's ministry, family rejected, disowned, lied about smear campaigns. Um, you know, he heals a guy and they weaponize it, you know, well, he did it by Beelzebub, the Prince of Demons. You're like, you weaponized a healing. Like that's, that's amazing. So even the good things he did, they created a negative narrative to destroy him. And so that's ministry, bro. I hate to tell you this, you're in full-time ministry. It's like me looking for the whale to swallow me. <laughs> Somebody, no, I, that's, well, you know, what, and this is what's so, well, what's crazy hearing you say that is, is, is paired with what the Lord told me. And this is a crazy connection is, you know, the Lord told me like that the key thing is going to be for myself and also just to share this with people is that I've got to 
take control of what I can control because God has given us control over ourselves. He's given us self-control. It's one of the, the fruits of the spirit and that there's no structure, there's no system that can outdo the God's authority and his ability to make that fruit in you if you will just put your roots in him. And so it's like, you know, they can take away your money. They can take away your life. They can take away what people think about you. And people are good at that and that'll happen, but they cannot take away the things that come from the fruit, which is the love, the joy. And if you have the joy and you are able to have the self-control and you're there, then you can make improvements that allow you to have the peace that passes understanding down in the depths of your heart. And if you have peace, then you win because it's like the turbulence and the chaos, even in mm -hmm. the storm, like God can still walk on water. Like you can still be in sort of this position to where he says to the storm to stop and it stops. And so it's like, I realize that like a, like a lot of what we think is happening with the world that's freaking us out or that even freaks me out is really just a symptom of not being at peace on the inside. And the ministry thing makes me so angry at you right now. I want to punch you in the face so that I'm not really, but no, but I mean like, I, cause what sucks is, is like, I used to be a youth pastor and like, I have like, I have tried so hard to run away from ministry. Cause it's like, I grew up in it. And to me, ministry is just like this. It's basically you, you work for 30 years and you do something dumb or something, or even just piss the wrong person off. And everyone acts like you've never done anything to serve the Lord and you didn't, you know, help them through their divorces and through their pornography addictions. Like to me, that's what it is. To me, a ministry equals abuse. And like, I've always, of course like I does. grew up in a ministry home and I've just watched people like do things, say things to my, to my dad and to my family, you know, that is just so wicked and so evil that like the fear of that word, the M word, <laughs> it's like, that's the one part of the LGBTQ. Maybe that's that's why they're winning because they don't have ministry involved in it. So they're, they're not the end <laughs> yet. So they're still, they're yeah. still growing. No, but the ministry to me is like, it is really, and I mean this genuinely, like, and I, it is scary because I get Jonah. Like I just, I've always like related to no one in the Bible more than Jonah. It's just like, these people are forsaken. I'm going somewhere else. And to me, it's like, that's how I feel even with the church and with everybody. Like, it's hard for me to sit in the seat, ministry, let alone to ever think about even holding the door open. Ministry is your will, bro. I mean, it just swallowed you up and spit you out. And that's where you are. So what you're doing is a digital platform ministry. That's what you're doing. Oh man, that's got to shape up. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, people, if you will watch my show, I always say this. I'm like, you got to be a pretty sick person if you enjoy the show. Cause we look at the craziest, the good craziest stuff. And I was going to say this too. I've watched, like you even said how it makes you feel sick is I, I always read these comments and it trips me out. And this is what I was laughing about with my wife. I go, maybe there's like 19 comments in here that are people are like, man, you know, this show really helps me to follow Christ. And I'm like, the title of this show was incestual gay TikTokers like get married or whatever. And the, the crazy thought of like that even being a real thing and that's allowed on the internet, but you can't like criticize trans people. Remember, like you can be an ancestral gay TikToker. Literally, I'm pretty sure incest is illegal in every state, maybe not Alabama, but I don't know yet. Uh, they, people do what they do. Even if it is, they can't Alabama read, so affection. they don't know what it says. Yeah, it's like, I, don't, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say, like, I, I look at that and I'm like, you know, but we do talk about the truth and we do look at it and we're like, this is just weird and this is strange. And by kind of going on this journey, people do keep coming to know Christ and people keep telling me every day, like you get, get messages every Every day I'm coming to know the Lord through your show and I'm going, sometimes I feel guilty about making it. So that's good. <laughs> Cause like I'll, I'll like see things. I'm like, is this legal? Like I, I get videos age restricted. Like 
I think we all find out all the time. It's like the YouTube just like, this isn't for children. And I'm like, I literally clicked the button before I uploaded it, not for kids. So what do you mean it's age restricted? But I mean like the stuff we look at is so crazy in the world and it's so insane. You're like, what do you mean a child drag show is not for children? Thank you, I agree YouTube, let's age restrict this. If you got, <laughs> we, so you can go to a child drag show in person but if I put it on your platform, it's now age restricted. You know, like Hunter Biden can maybe allegedly be with young children overseas, but we can't talk about it, you know? Like, I mean, that shows you they know that what mm -hmm. they're doing is dark and they don't want it exposed. And that's what been my goal from the very beginning was like, let's expose this. And, and you know, now everyone knows TikToks, but we were one of the first shows that started looking at TikToks many years ago and show exposing the, the dark recesses of where woke people were going. And people mocked us. And this is what I always think. I, I, I said this to, uh, to my producer, Josiah, who's out there uh, sitting. And I go, you know what, man? What's crazy of what, where we're at is that we're never going to reap the full reward here on earth. We're never going to really reap it. And meaning this, I saw TikTok and we see that it's dark and we want to expose the, 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 it's like the most peak SJW culture. In the beginning, we don't get the views. People say political shows should not be showing TikToks. This is immature. This is not right. And now you watch any political show, that's basically a third of their show is just looking at TikToks. And we don't look at them anymore really at all. We kind of went over that phase. Mm -hmm. And I know that some of the biggest shows in, in, in America you know, I got their producers to start doing that, and I regret that. And also, I mean, the people like, you know, Joe Rogan follow me and have mentioned some of the stuff early on that we were following. There's even an account that I helped, you know, blow up. She, she thanked me called Libs of TikTok that is now got millions of followers and now everyone uses as a source. But meaning we don't get the, we don't get recognition. We don't get anything. And I think kind of exposing even just what's on that platform to the world, the fact that people see how dark the world really gets. I mean, there's nowhere scarier other than the mind of a teenage boy than, than in, uh, in, in TikTok. I mean, because that is just pedophilia, neurodivergence, which is like making mm -hmm. your, your autism, your gender, you know, incest, sexualizing little girls, uh, you know, dancing like adults in like no clothes. And that's allowed all that type of stuff. It's, it's so strange. That's able to be exposed to the world. And it's like, yeah, maybe no one knows that we did that. And maybe you know, it's not really gonna like, we're not gonna get money for doing that and we're not gonna get like some sort of rec you know, award on, you know, Medal of Honor. Actually, no, that's so dumb enough to get a Medal of Honor from Biden. He gives to like Ellen, right? But it's ministry, buddy. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, that's what my goal is. Like, I saw it's dark. Let's go. Let's just let's, let's put the light in the dark. Let's go. And, and it, it has changed. It's created a different cultural shape. And, and do you do you spend any time? We can, we close with this. Probably run out of time. An interesting conversation. Thank you. I didn't know where we were gonna go. Um, I never do. We'll we'll reverse next. Um, but sometimes in the Bible, everybody is living in a dysfunctional, dark, kind of broken um, context, and then the prophet lives out in the woods walks in, says something, and people listen to it, even though they don't have any qualifications from the institutions or from the official, you know, paradigms. And that's like John the baptizer. He just, he's the homeschool kid, you know, who decided to jet, dress up like a, you know, like a Jedi uh, with a robe and then walks in and says a few things and everything, everybody listens to him. That's the eccentric nature of the anointing and the gifting on your life. You walk out of the woods, you say things that when you say it, people are like, oh, I, I see that, but they didn't see it before, or they didn't have the courage to say it. And I haven't listened to your show, so I don't know what you say. 
and I love you. It's good to meet you. You're a good person. Yeah, I mean, you just you just convinced me not to tune in. But um, but within that, then the prophet goes back to the woods, and the prophet is usually very misunderstood. They're highly eccentric. Uh, the 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 when they come into town, it gets so heated that at some point they have to go, and eventually they're trying to crucify and to cancel and to kill the prophet. And sometimes God asks the prophets to do things that are just weird. Like, have you, have you looked at Ezekiel? Oh, yeah. I mean, like performance art for prophecy. God tells him, okay, take a dump and cook your dinner over your dump. It's in there. And so he negotiates. He's like, well, can I use a cow dung? I mean, it's like, I mean, there was never a veggie tale about that, right. you know? Um, but, smells, <laughs> veggie tales, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, kids would be like, you know. So, But at the end of the day, it's like sometimes God takes eccentric people with eccentric perspectives to say and do eccentric things because no one is listening or paying attention. And that's the angst of your role, but it's ministry. And let me say this, your approval will never come from anyone, um, but God's approval for you is you're his son, man. He loves you. He cares about you. Not just your performance, not just your influence, not just your impact, you. Mm. And I'm telling you, once you have a kid, that's going to be one of the brightest moments of your whole life. You're going to understand God in this fresh, profound, deeply healing way. And so right now, though, I just, uh, I'll just tell you right now, you are the big brother who's the eccentric prophet. And that's a lonely place to be because even the brothers you're trying to help, sometimes they don't understand and they hate and they attack you. And it's brutal. So I, I would just tell you too: make sure your wife stays off of the internet, that you guys can just have a marriage that's healthy. Um, and for you, you're going to need to take a lot of time. Just turn off your phone, disappear, go for a walk, just spend time with God. Because at the end of the day, what happens for the prophet, the prophet hears from God, they speak, and then the people attack them, and then the people want the prophet to talk about them. Engage, fight, you know, argue. And as soon as you do that, you're no longer hearing him, and you're no longer responding to him. And that's, it's a demonic tactic and a ploy. And, uh, and so for you, it's just keeping your head and your mind clear. Uh, but that's going to be time in creation. That's going to be time in prayer. That's going to be time with your wife and making sure that your friendship with your wife is the most normal relationship that you have and that she becomes, um, how do I say this? Um, if you're going to be a prophet, then your wife needs to be your pastor. Pray with you, love you, check in on you, care for you, be your friend. She is really, she's got to be the sweetest person in the entire world. And, oh yeah, you should see what people, D I tell her, I'm like, just don't check your DMs, baby. No, no, I'd get her I, off social media. Yeah, well, she doesn't go on that much anymore because people just, no, it's, they always try to go after her to get me. And like anyone that tries to go after my marriage or my wife or anything like that. Wait like, till they go the after your, wait, wait till they go after your kids. I would kill them. That's where I'm at. I'm now old enough that, that they've gone after my kids in a very brutal public and at, at certain occasions criminal way criminal way. Um, and at the end of the day, um, that's how sick the world is. And that's how sick people are. And some people think that still kill and destroy is a ministry that God has assigned to them. So they have this, the worst people are the religious people who are jihadists for Jesus. Those are the worst people. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's, I got to, and that's what I was going to say too, to, to, to any Christians out there that are 
dealing with that. It's funny because like BLM, you know, the burn, loot, murder organization, um, if you notice anything that kind of is dark or from darkness is always about tearing down and not it's build, deconstruction. And not, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not about it's not building. Constructing. And so I just, you know, people think, oh, I'm doing the right thing by destroying, by destroying, by destroying. It's like, bro, you sound like George Bush in 2003. Let's just bomb Iraq and that'll fix it. It's like, that's when you know. I mean, that's not how you, you know, Operation Rebuild Iraq. It's like, bro, that's a trillion dollars worth of bombs to build. I've never heard of a building with explosives. So it's it's such a such an insane thing, um, you know, that, I, that I've noticed that is is, is really a, a, a hardship. And I think that if you ever want to tear people down or do things, it's like, I always notice that where explosives are actually beneficial is in mines. It's underground. It's where it's unseen. It's in it's private. And so it's like, if you want to help people, if you want to do things, if you want to go out, it doesn't mean you don't abandon people. It doesn't mean you don't point out people's flaws. It doesn't mean you don't try to help your friends. But to, to blast things, to try to put it on a public pedestal, to try to tear down and, and be this sort of like public uh, demolition derby, you know, group. It's it's just wicked and it's sad and like that's look at 2020 when the nation itself shifted to try to justify destruction. It, it's our our country. I don't know how long it's gonna be till we if we ever can heal from that. I mean that we that won't. year has destroyed the fabric of our country. It has it has destroyed us. And even if you want to say, well, it hasn't been the same since 2001. Well, look at how they they changed the police state through destruction. They blew up buildings. They literally imploded buildings. Who are they? Come watch my show and find out. But but uh, but but I meant like they murdered people to create a police state in this nation to move us towards a one one world government and one world order towards the end time. So it's like they use destruction in the world. And so in the church, in Christ, we need to not emulate the devil's tactics. We need to realize what God blew up was himself. He sacrificed himself, right? That's what it was. And that that's the truth. And the only time that he really wiped things out was like totally in a complete judgment. He wiped them out, but you're not God. And it's like vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And there needs to be this unity. And to all those people out there, even though, like I say, you're supposed to leave vengeance up to God. I mentioned earlier, I am the hands and the feet of Christ. He said that. So I, I'm, I'm asking to volunteer to strangle you guys that are out there that are wicked, but you know, I probably have not been in that position. And I just know like, man, choose a better path, choose a better life because we have so much going ahead of us. There's so many enemies and there's real wicked people out there and there's real problems. And the world is not about, and God is not calling us to just deconstruct, decolonize. These are all worldly, earthly things that move into a, a communist world without God where we're all seen as equal and expendable. I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in a world of dignity and a world of respect and a world of love. And that comes with not only respecting God, but the dignity of your own heart and also your fellow man enough to love them and to not take this negative aspect. And so just choose, choose a better life. That's all I want to say to people. It's like, just choose not to do that. And if someone's doing that to you, just pray for Pray, pray too. Pray that your heart doesn't get hard because bitterness, that's what I, I've learned. You either get bitter or you get better. And so when people stab you in the back, when they lie, when they slander you, I mean, I'm a public figure. People make videos about me, you know, like that. And 99.999% of it's untrue besides my name. And usually in the beginning, it's like, oh, this is Elijah. I'm like, the true. And then it's lies after that. Um, you know, God still loves them. And I, and I know that. And I, even if I struggle with hatred or bitterness, I've learned to let it go. I'm letting it go. I hate nobody anymore. I'm just but I could, but it, because God's given me the chance to just let go of the hatred, let go of the bitterness, because then you end up, they end up winning. If you stay bitter, if you stay paranoid, if you stay fearful, you lose. But if you can get out of that box, out of that trap, just let your enemies do what they do and let God take care of it. Sometimes you might need to knock someone out, but that's, it's occasional and hopefully the police aren't around. But, uh, but yeah, let God take care of it. Then you end up living a free life and nothing will make them more angry. Nothing makes the haters more angry 
than just enjoying your damn life. Like I'm telling you, just living and living prosperously and having a good life despite them, it's, they'll spite you. They hate, they hate it. They do. And I mean, I had somebody come up recently and they're like, somebody said something negative about me. I won't say what is or anything, but, and they're like, so what do you think about them? I said, I, I, I don't think about them. I don't know what they said. Stealing that. You know, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, if, if their goal is to rob my joy, stores close. I'm doing, I'm just, I'm just gonna take that. That's a good like shirt. You can make a logo. What do you think about that? I don't. Literally. Amen. Thanks for the go. time, brother. Hey, well, thank you so thank much. You, Appreciate it. Thank you.